This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and in this edition, we're mixing things up by talking to our own Robert Harvey about some of his football memories, and taking a look at one of Scotland's most formidable opponents on the park in the 70s and 80s, who played alongside a few great Scots in his club career. Firstly, we speak with Robert. What's your name and what do you do at Football Memories? Hello, my name is Robert Harvey. I am a volunteer and also the area coordinator for Glasgow for Football Memories Scotland. Along with a team of volunteers, we go out into communities and care homes across Glasgow to host Football Memories Scotland meetings. We work closely with staff from Alzheimer's Scotland and many wonderful staff in the care home sector. How did you get involved with the project? I got involved in the project when one day I was having a walk into my local library in Rutherglen and I seen a poster on the wall that was advertising a Football Memory Scotland meeting. I decided to go along to see what it was all about. I was surprised when I walked in, I seen a table full of football photographs and memorabilia and lots of uh, ladies and gents around the table. The meeting was hosted by Richard McBrearty and Michael White, who are two of the key drivers that has grown Football Memory Scotland across Scotland. And I really just sat there to listen, to, to try and find out what it was all about. But I was totally taken aback by something that happened. One gentleman picked up a photograph of an old Scottish goalkeeper by the name of Freddie Martin. Now, Freddie was wearing a very, very distinctive bright yellow turtleneck goalkeeper's jersey the type the old goalies used to all wear. As soon as this gentleman seen that photograph, he picked it up and he told this amazing story. And this story, when he was speaking, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. It ended up in Moscow, in Russia. And even his daughter, who I think may have brought her dad along to the meeting, was surprised to hear this. It also surprised me and I wasn't sure what had just happened, but it was very impressive to see how a photograph can trigger such a story from someone. I also had the situation, or our family had the situation, where our mother had dementia for many years. I'd seen up close what can happen with dementia. I'm very, very proud of the way my sisters actually looked after their mother. They were brilliant, but there comes a point where you need more help. And eventually, as a family, we had to make a decision and put her into a care home. It was for the best when I think back on it. But I cannot speak highly enough of the staff in David Walker Gardens in Rutherglen. They were just fantastic to our family and all families. So when I came out of the meeting, I thought, this looks like something that I would like to be involved in and maybe just give something back.
who do you support? I follow Celtic. Like all fans, there are good times and bad times. I don't think it really matters if you love your football. I've heard it said in the past that you should always support your local team. From the end of our street, I can see Celtic Park and it's only a 20-minute walk to the games. What's your first football memory? My first football memory is playing with my friends up on the Carthagin Braes on a hot summer's day. My dad joined in. It was the enjoyment of kicking a ball, running around, having a laugh and not a care in the world. I grew up in Fernhill, which is near Rutherglen, and we were surrounded by greenery, space and places to play. On a Sunday afternoon, everyone in the community came out and played. It was 20 a side. Dads, uncles, neighbours, anyone could join in. Chuck down a couple of jumpers as goalposts and you were ready to go. Hail, rain, snow, sunshine. If you owned a football, you were the most popular boy in the street. Football was fun and everyone knew how to dribble forward. You never seen a, a backward pass. There was never a need for a referee or VAR. If there was any disputes over whether it was a goal or not, it was usually sorted out verbally. A common game was 21 the winner, the first team to score 21 goals. Even darkness would not stop a game ending until a winner. You hear a lot about how many great Scottish players in the past learned to play on the street. This was the same. Every street had good players. What was the first game you ever went to? My first game was a night game at Hamden to see Scotland play Wales. I remember walking from Rutherglen down the main road towards Tory Glen and then to Hamden along with my dad. I had a new pair of shoes and my mother had told me not to get them dirty. My father just smiled. He knew what like the terraces at Hamden were with the black ash. As we were walking towards the lights of Hamden, supporters' buses from all over Scotland were parking at the side of the road and hordes of singing fans got off the buses. I never recognised the names of all these places on the side of the buses. Karen Wath, Dunfermline, Portobello, Loch Ee. All these exciting names and exotic places and I had no idea where they were. But it was noisy and exciting. Football needs fans. I had stood in my back garden at home and heard many times the Hamden roar, and tonight I was going to experience it. Walking into Hamden for the first time and looking down onto the pitch, under the towering floodlights, was a bit special. The pitch looked so big 
and so green. Scotland had players like Jim Baxter, Charlie Cook, Alan Gilzine and Wally Henderson. Wales had players like Mike England, Ivor Allchurch and Wynne Davis. Bobby Murdoch scored the first Scotland goal that night. This was the first goal I have seen in my lifetime. Scotland won. I don't remember too much about the game other than being really impressed by the big badge of a dragon on the red Welsh jersey. In daylight, daylight, my first game was also at Hamden. This was to see Queen's Park v Celtic in the Scottish Cup. Bobby Lennox scored the only goal of the game. The Queen's goalie was Bobby Clark, who later played for Aberdeen. Celtic went on to win the Cup later that year when they beat Dunfermline 3-2 in the final. And this was to be the start of the greatest period in their history. Do you play or did you play football at any level? I was lucky enough to play at schoolboy and amateur youth level for Scotland. I had five seasons at Clyde. I played in the first team when I was still at school. Back then, there was only two divisions in Scotland. Clyde were a terrific team and still a terrific club. But back then, a bit yo-yo, going up and down the divisions. This was a golden period for Scottish football. And the national team were consistently reaching the World Cup finals. There was good players in every team across the country. There was also, at that time, a great reserve league. If a player was not playing the first team, he'd be playing in the reserves. A young player could be playing at Tynecastle or Pataudry or Ibrox or whatever, and against good young players and also experienced professionals. This could include international footballers who, for example, were just returning from injury. It was a great way to learn the game, playing against good players. Who was your first footballing idol? I can't remember ever having a hero. But the player I most admired was Bobby Murdoch. Even Jimmy Johnston, who was voted the greatest ever Celtic player, said Murdoch was the best player. I was always away on a Saturday playing football, so did not go to many games. But I did go to all the big European midweek games. I could not take my eyes off the way Murdoch played the game. Hard but fair, and he could win a game with just one pass. Jock Steen said he never played badly in big games. Murdoch dominated the midfield against some of the best players in Europe. Out with Scotland, I always liked Gerd Müller of Germany. He was a goal-scoring machine. The best defenders in the world could not stop him. In one game, his teammate Franz Beckenbauer shouted at him to come back and help out the defence. Müller shouted back that he would come back and help if they came up front and helped him score goals. What's the best game you've ever been to? I've seen many great games. 
including being to Wembley a number of times and Scotland always winning. But the best game I've ever seen was on TV when Celtic beat Inter Milan 2-1 in the European Cup final. In that game, Celtic had 42 attempts at a goal, including hitting their woodwork three times. It's not very often you see that in football. Inter Milan were a fantastic team. In the previous three years, they had won the European Cup twice and had also been beaten once with Real Madrid. They were also the world club champions. They were some team, but their game was based on a very strong defence. If they scored first, they usually won the game. The game was played on a Thursday evening, round about tea time. I remember my dad rushing home from work. We sat around the old black and white TV. Dad, me and my young brother, Jerry. But disaster. Halfway through the game, the TV picture became all scrambled. My young brother was told to take the aerial, walk around the living room and find a place that settled down the picture. To this day, I still like to remind him of that. Celtic won 2-1 and after the game, all the boys were out in the streets recreating the incidents. My dad went out with his friends to celebrate. This was a big deal. My mother never seen him for about two days, but she didn't seem too concerned. He must have handed over his wages, and she also knew that he would come home eventually when skint or hungry. There were some great games then, many at Hamden, and I've been in lots of games when the attendance was over 100,000 fans. But this game against Milan is the one that sticks in my memory. What's your favourite away day in Scotland? For me, it is Broomfield at Airdrie. I always enjoyed playing there, although it was very intimidating and the crowd were close to the players. I remember scoring a hat-trick in a game there. The pavilion building was unique and it's a crying shame it was demolished. The dressing rooms were small and once the team hamper was in, there was no space to move. But Airdrie was good, I liked it. Also, Tynecastle had a great aura about it and Dens Park, which was a huge playing area. Every ground in Scotland was very different, unlike today when stadiums seem much the same. One other thing that sticks in my memory is that a lot of grounds had a clock above the terraces. Dundee, Aberdeen and Firhill. What's your favourite fact about football? The Scottish Cup final in 1955 between Clyde and Celtic was the first final to be televised. The crowd was 106,000. Celtic were winning 1-0 but three minutes from the end, Clyde's Archie Robertson equalised direct from a corner kick. To date, this is still the only goal ever scored direct from a corner kick in a Scottish Cup final. What was the last match you went to before lockdown? The last game was when Celtic 
beat St Mirren 5-0 and Lee Griffiths scored a hat-trick. I really miss going to the games. Remember when you met your friends before the games? You would sit and put the football world to right over a beer. And it was always your round. Which player or manager would you like to see back at your club? The player would be Kieran Tierney. Great team player and an inspiration to others. Who is your club's biggest legend of all time? Jimmy Johnston. He was voted the third best player in the Ballon d'Or in 1967. Johnston helped make Celtic a global name. There are so many stories from the taxi driver in Buenos Aires talking about Jinky to one of the greatest players in the world, Puskas, imitating Jimmy's jinking movement. Jimmy played in six major European Cup, Winners' Cup and European Cup semi-finals while at Celtic. He played in an era of no continuous TV coverage. But everyone in football across Europe would have known the name Jimmy Johnston. He is also one of the few players to have received a standing ovation at the Bernabeu Stadium in Madrid. Celtic had been invited to be the team to play against Real Madrid in Alfred Di Stefano's testimonial game. Celtic beat them 1-0. The attendance was 120,000. You can watch the highlights to this day on YouTube. Lastly, if you had a time machine and could go back to any game at all, what one would you pick? That's a great question. For me, just after the end of the World War II, my dad spent some time at Manchester City. I remember him telling me that he met Jimmy Delaney, who had just been transferred from Celtic to Manchester United around that time. But my dad could not settle and miss Glasgow. When he came back, he played for a local juvenile team in Rutherglen called Regent Star. I have that team photo with my dad, all his teammates, and some of them are still wearing their forces uniforms. I have heard many of his old pals say he was a terrific footballer. I think I would enjoy watching my dad playing. Thank you to Robert for answering our questions. Last week, we were contacted by John Wright, asking if we could give his friend Dave Watson a mention. You may remember Dave from his playing days with Sunderland, Manchester City, Southampton, Stoke City, Derby County, Rotherham United, or even Notts County, where he had two spells. In addition to this, Dave also played overseas for Werder Bremen in Germany, Vancouver Whitecaps in Canada, and Fort Lauderdale Sun in the USA. In his day, he was a competitive defender who made every challenge count, sometimes coming out worse in challenges with concussion and head wounds, but he was always committed to a challenge. Born in October 1946 in Nottinghamshire, Dave started off his career at his local team, Notts County, 
before Tommy Doherty signed him for Rotherham United in 1968. At the time, the Doc had not long left Chelsea under a cloud and was out to prove a point. With the Millers struggling to stay in the second division, Doherty told their chairman that he would take them out of the second division. Unfortunately for the team, he could only manage to get them relegated to the third division. Doherty's replacement was Jim McAnerney, who made Dave the team captain and after four seasons at Rotherham, he moved on to Sunderland. In his time at Sunderland, he was a part of the famous 1973 FA Cup winning team that defeated heavy favourites Leeds United. The Leeds team that Sunderland beat on that day were managed by Don Revy and contained Scottish talent such as David Harvey, Peter Lorimer, Eddie Gray and the Leeds and Scotland captain Billy Bremner. Dave played alongside four Scottish players that day, including Bobby Kerr, Dick Malone, Billy Hughes and the match winner Ian Porterfield. Dave was given a mention in the Glasgow Herald's match report when it said There was a distinct feeling that the Yorkshire men had a raw deal when Bremner was felled in the penalty area by Sunderland's defensive hero Watson in 57 minutes and nothing was awarded. While Leeds battered the Wearsiders, Dave and his team had luck on their side and were able to hold on and lift the famous old trophy at Wembley that day. The 1973 FA Cup win by Sunderland remains one of the competition's biggest ever shocks. Dave's good form, despite being a second division player, earned him a call up to the England national team where he made his debut against Portugal in April 1974. This match would prove to be Alf Ramsey's last match in charge of England. Joe Mercer was put in charge until Don Revy took charge of the England team on a permanent basis thereafter. On his debut, Dave was 27 years old, relatively old for a first national call-up. His second cap came at Hamden in 1974 in the Home International Championship when he came on as a substitute for Norman Hunter. With England leading the group on four points, a win would have seen them lift the championship. However, Scotland had other ideas and won the match 2-0 thanks to an inspired performance from Jimmy Johnston. Johnston had been hammered by the Scottish press for borrowing a rowing boat on a team night out in Larks four days before the England match and was out to get his revenge. In total, Dave played seven matches for England against Scotland, winning four times. Of these wins, the 1975 game where England won 5-1 at Wembley would be the most memorable. One of these games was also the famous 2-1 Wembley win for Scotland, where the Tartan army invaded the pitch afterwards, helping themselves to pieces of Wembley turf. Overall, Dave would make 65 appearances for England, scoring four goals. He was unlucky not to play in a World Cup for England as they failed to qualify for 1974 and 1978. 
While England qualified for the 1982 tournament in Spain and Dave made the provisional squad, Ron Greenwood chose not to take him to the tournament. In addition to his FA Cup win in 1973 with Sunderland, Dave also won the League Cup in England with Manchester City in 1976 when they defeated Newcastle United 2-1 at Wembley. 30 of Dave's England caps came while he was at Main Road and only Colin Bell has earned more England caps while playing for City with 48. Dave and his wife Penny became close friends with Colin Bell and his family and paid tribute to Bell after his recent passing. Author Ian Penny, who has written a book titled The Legends of Manchester City, said of Dave, Watson's abilities were plain to see from the outset. In fact, so sure was he both in the air and on the ground that many fans think no centre-half has bettered him in a City shirt since. In 2020, Dave's wife Penny announced that he has a neurodegenerative condition that is similar to the one that former West Bromwich Albion captain Jeff Assel had in his later life. Despite this, he still enjoys all things football and we wish Dave all the best as he battles his condition. If you have a question, a subject or a player you'd like to hear us discuss, you can email me at andy.care at scottishfootballmuseum.org.uk We're always looking for new topics to research and discuss. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland, in association with Alzheimer's Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr and Richard McBrearty. Additional material from the Times of London, the Glasgow Herald, Manchester Evening News and The Legends of Manchester City by Ian Perry.